Hello, welcome to Adapt, and Happy New Year. Uh, this is episode 16, which is brought to you by Text Expander. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined, as always, for another year by my co-host, Federico Vatici. How's it going, Federico? How is 2020 treating you? Hey, Ryan, Happy New Year, and uh, I think it's going pretty well so far. Uh, cannot complain, honestly. I'm back to work this week. It's been a fun break. I... I cleaned up a bunch of digital things like my Apple Notes and my home screens and my Trello boards. Uh, you know, I uh, did a bit of a holiday sweep. And so everything is much tighter and cleaner and neatly organized. So I'm happy about that. Well, I am someone who loves organization. So that all is music to my ears. <laughs> I... Well, I don't organize by color. Oh, uh, yes. So... Yeah. That I don't do. We, we have our differences. <laughs> mm. Well, seeing that it's the new year and we're just coming off the holidays, we thought that we could keep things a little more light and fun today. Uh, so for our topic, we're still going to have your challenge. You're still going to talk about what you did for that. But for our topic, mm -hmm. we want to talk about not so much how do we use the iPad to be more productive, how do we use the iPad to you know, create a shortcut that is over a thousand actions long or something like that. Um, instead, mm -hmm. we're just going to talk about how we use the iPad for fun, for recreation. Thought it'd be a good topic to kick off the new year. Yeah, it's a nice change of pace. Uh, and I mean, as we'll see, I did manage to, you know, sneak in a little <laughs> somewhat work-related thing uh, in the topic later about watching videos but we'll we'll get to that yeah later. and uh, i think because of that you know since you have violated the spirit of this topic well, I, I think you need to that's a big word <laughs> I, i'd say that maybe to make up for it you should continue the spirit of having fun when you assign your challenge to me later you know if you want to mm. challenge me to watch a youtube video on something are like, you feeding I would not complain. me ideas this for your challenge, that's not a challenge. Watching YouTube videos, that's yeah, that. It could be something now I've never watching... seen before. Now what? Mm, you just gave me an idea. Oh, well, you're gonna regret this. You're gonna regret <laughs> this. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Now that that's your lesson for for feeding me ideas and thinking that I would go for the easy solution, and you'll see later. Okay. Well, we both have a number of things that we like to do with our iPads that are more fun and I won't say more enjoyable because we enjoy our work, but, uh, but that are a good way to relax. And uh, yes. so we're going to talk about those things. Um, I'll kick things off by naming one thing that I like to do, which I'm pretty sure isn't on your list. Um, and that is I like to play uh, board game apps mm. on my iPad. Mm. So I... Uh, enjoy board games and if you're listening to this and all you can think of is Monopoly then you you need to learn a little more about board games um, there's a whole new world out there that I would be happy to share with you um, but there's a more modern board games along the lines of people may have heard of games like uh, Catan or Ticket to Ride uh, Code Names there's this big industry of all these board games that are being made every year and uh, obviously, the majority of that is done with physical board games. But there are a bunch of great board game apps as well, where uh, different studios kind of translate a board game into a digital game for the iPhone and iPad. 
And uh, they are a lot less expensive. They are a lot more portable than carting around big old boxes of board games. And so uh, I like to do that. Uh, sometimes my wife and I will just take my iPad to a coffee shop and we might play a board game on the iPad there. Um, so gaming on the iPad for me primarily looks like playing board games. Uh, I do a little bit of Apple Arcade as well. Uh, most of my Apple Arcade playing so far has been on the iPhone, um, but I've done a little bit on the iPad. For example, uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts, which is a fantastic Apple Arcade game. If you haven't played it yet, please do. Um, I played that on the iPad, and I used a connected Xbox controller to control it. And so I've got a whole bunch of games installed on my iPad that I want to play from Arcade. Haven't gotten to it just yet, but uh, hopefully in time that will change. Yeah, I keep I don't play uh, board games. I do keep a long and a very long collection uh, of of games on my iPad Pro. Um, I keep meaning to play them, but I keep getting you know <laughs> sucked back into playing Pokemon Sword. Um, I've I've been getting really into competitive uh, play online with Pokemon Sword on the Nintendo Switch. And so I have this folder that is just called Apple Arcade on my iPad Pro. And eventually I'll get to those games because I think eventually I will stop playing Pokemon Sword. I don't know. I'm at about 120 hours so far. So it's it's still going. Um, I do like um, playing with the controller when I do. And I'm using a DualShock 4 with my iPad Pro that I uh, like. I have a PS4, I have an Xbox One. Um, I also have a Nintendo Switch, of course. Uh, but I bought an extra DualShock 4 just for the iPad Pro because I like that it's more compact and, and it's lighter than the Xbox controller. So when I'm like, if I want to bring my iPad Pro with me and play, say, uh, some Oceanorn 2, for example, and I want to use a controller, uh, it's nicer than, you know, the DualShock smaller and fits in my bag so that's nice um but yeah i don't i don't play a lot of games i should play more games i feel like i've been paying for apple arcade and especially the past couple of months like i keep paying the subscription but i haven't touched anything essentially since november uh so yeah well i want to keep playing because there's a bunch of stuff i want to get back to so we'll see um i think we both oh and i should mention by the way before we get any deeper into this topic that I do have, like in theory, my setup consists of a big iPad Pro, the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, and the smaller one, the 11-inch model. And in theory, I should be using the 11-inch model as my um, media device, like as my entertainment iPad. Uh, But a few things have happened over the past couple of months that basically this iPad now is still sitting in a drawer and I'm not using it I think it's not even updated to 13.3. Um, Sylvia and I were watching more Netflix uh, shows together. And so we watched those on the TV that we have in the bedroom. And I don't necessarily watch on my iPad. And the TV shows that I used to watch by myself, uh, The Morning Show and For All Mankind and Mr. Robot, uh, all wrapped up last year. So I'm not using the iPad for those anymore. And also, as I mentioned, I'm not playing games on my iPad lately, so I'm only playing the Nintendo Switch. And I'm also not reading anything at the moment. Uh, and reading with Apple Books or manga with Shonen Jump 
on my iPad was something that I was using the, the tablet for. But lately, essentially, my media consumption largely consists of using the TV app on the Apple TV or Netflix uh, via the Apple TV 4K that we have plugged into our big LG TV in the bedroom or just playing the Nintendo Switch or listening to music with my Walkman. So, um, but I want to do something about it because I, I feel like I want to read more books and I want to like uh, I want to set up the small iPad Pro again from scratch. Like I want to delete a bunch of apps. I want to do a clean install, and I'm toying around with the idea of using stuff like restrictions or like screen time maybe more aggressively, or just deleting a bunch of built-in apps to really set up this iPad just for consumption. Because I'm like one of one of my problems with having a separate iPad that I you know that I consider just my entertainment iPad is that all the time I say okay I'm just gonna use media apps on this thing and then slowly I keep installing work related things because like maybe I have an idea and I need to be able to save that idea right away and so I install my task manager and my notes and Slack and one password. And eventually you end up with the same iPad that's, that, you know, that's running a bunch of work-related things. And so you don't really use it for entertainment purposes. And I want to avoid that. I want to make sure that there's a clear boundary between the big iPad Pro that I use for work and the small iPad Pro that I use for entertainment. So one of my new projects for the year, I guess, is to set up this iPad in a way that it is clearly an entertainment device that even if I wanted to, I couldn't use it for work. Yeah, it sounds like a great way to keep yourself from working when you don't really want to be working. And I mean, for things like, you know, if you have an idea about something, do you usually have your iPhone near you anyways? Could you pick that up and jot something down? Yeah, I could. I could, but I really like, you know, like if I have an idea for a shortcut, I like testing it right away on the iPad. And this is like my problem is that like I I love my job and mm-hmm. and like it's it's as a self-employed person it, it becomes really difficult to set a boundary for yourself and be like you don't you don't have to think about your job right now but when your job is also your passion like those lines become really blurry right and so and this is something that for example I think CGP Grey talks a lot about a uh, on Cortex here on Relay FM, like this idea of like tricking your brain by setting these limitations, these rules, these restrictions, and saying, you know, you 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 add just that tiny bit of friction to your computing environment that tricks you into not working and not thinking about work. So yeah, I don't know how I will go about this. Maybe deleting Apple apps is not enough. Maybe I not maybe I actually need to do something like uh, set restrictions and have Sylvia come up with the passcode that she's not going to tell me or something. Like <laughs> that. Uh, we'll see. Sounds like it would work. That, that could actually work. And she's going to love it. Like to be in charge of <laughs> making sure that it don't work. <laughs> I bet she's going to like the idea. Uh, I mentioned the TV app. I think we both use a TV app. We both watch Apple TV Plus content. So that, that's a pretty obvious choice. Yeah. I yeah, yeah, the TV app is, I feel like ever since it first came out, I've been like, 
the one person on the internet who is like, oh, yes, TV app, this is, I mean, not great, but I enjoy it more than other video apps. Um, and so, for example, I like to do as much TV watching as possible through the TV app. I like having everything come through the single up next queue. The fact that it doesn't integrate with Netflix is problematic, but uh, I usually only have Netflix, you know, maybe a month at a time at different times of year when there's specific things I want to watch. So I don't have Netflix all the time. And so it works for me mostly. Um, but even just some small things that are really nice on the iPad is if you are watching um, content from an Apple TV channel, which includes Apple TV Plus. Uh, in the US, you can get channels such as HBO, CBS All Access. Um, you can download the content offline, which is really great. I was traveling recently, and beforehand, I downloaded a whole bunch of shows that uh, my wife and I could enjoy during our trip. And that was really easy to do. Um, some other video apps let you do that, and some don't. Um, something as small as being able to pause playback with the space bar. So there's a few keyboard shortcuts with the TV app that are really nice. You can use the arrow keys to adjust the volume or to skip back and forth in a show or movie. And so if I'm not watching on the big TV, I like using the TV app on my iPad. I find that it's the best video experience for, um, for scripted content. Um, but I know lots of people have their issues with it, so I'm going to stop, stop saying good things mm. there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think it needs a bit of work. I think it's, there's, a, I don't think it's a nightmare. I don't think it's great. I would like to see a bit of a, you know, bit of a refresh. Um, it, it would be nicer to have, I guess, my main problem is to have a clear boundary, like a clear separation between what's available to watch and what's an advertisement for other things. That's like, you know, to have like, a, like to make it more clear what is, quote unquote, yours to watch right now and what is something else that you could watch but you don't necessarily own or are paying for. So, the, yeah, but I, that's a much bigger topic. Um, I also use Netflix on my iPad uh, to watch TV shows when, for some reason, like, um, you know, watching something by myself or it's like a documentary and uh, Sylvia's not interested, so I can watch on my iPad. And I use the YouTube app a lot, uh, obviously. Um, I use the Watch Later queue a bunch. I pay for YouTube Premium, so I've been paying for the past couple of years. It's been an excellent experience. I don't see ads anymore. They don't interrupt me, but I'm, I also support my favorite creators with the subscription, so that's fine. I do want to talk about watching videos in 4K, but I want to talk about that in a few minutes because there's a bunch of other things we need to get through. Um, Ryan, we both use Apple Music, I think. Yep. And you use Apple Podcasts still. I do. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I'm not using it anymore. Okay. So that's news. Uh, it was one of the reasons why I had to postpone my must-have apps story. Uh, I'm using Overcast again, obviously. Um, there's a... I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about this, but the, like, there's a bunch of features that Marco is working on that made me reconsider Overcast and primarily from an audio standpoint, like an audio quality standpoint, what Overcast, what Marco is doing with Overcast is once again, you know, uh, tipped the scale in favor of switching from Apple Podcasts. And I sort of rediscovered this whole 
uh, you know, different but sort of consistent experience. Like it's the same shows, it's the same content, but the way that they sound and the time that you save with smart speed, it's really, really good. So I'm back on the overcast train for now. And I cannot wait to talk about what's new and coming. Uh, I think anybody who listens to Mark on ATP may have an idea, but we'll talk about that in the future. I And this is uh, shameless self-promotion. I use MusicBot a lot, my own shortcut for Apple Music. Um, and I specifically, I use the Pro version that I made for Club Mac Stories members. Um, there's an update coming. I don't have a release date. Uh, this is, a, I guess, a preview for Adapt listeners. I've been working on a MusicBot Pro update for club members. Going to have a bunch of additional features for Apple Music integration. So you will be able to search any song, any artist, any album from the Apple Music catalog, and you will be able to play, shuffle, love songs from there. It's much, much deeper integration. So that's coming eventually. I don't have a date, but yeah, I use that shortcut a lot. It's on my home screen. Yeah, I use MusicBot as well. And the way that I control most of my music and podcast listening is via a few home screen shortcuts. So one of them is MusicBot. I also have a couple of different shortcuts for HomePod related controls. So typically if I'm at home, I will listen to music or podcasts entirely through the HomePod. Um, If I'm out, I'll use my AirPods, but at home, the HomePod is great. And so I've got one shortcut that uh, simply switches the um, audio source uh, from the iPad Mm. to the HomePod so that whatever's playing on the iPad will go to the HomePod. And then I've got one that just pauses what's on the HomePod. So I do that. Those two shortcuts I use regularly throughout the day. And it's just nice to have those quick actions available right on my home screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I use that a lot too. Uh, with shortcuts on the home, on the home screen, it's so fast. You just tap the icon and and control the HomePod. That's very nice. Um, reading uh, Apple Books, you read much more than I do. Apple Books, I mentioned Shonen Jump, so that's an app to read manga, which are like Japanese uh, comics. And uh, I see that uh, Apple News is in your list. Um, I want to know why. <laughs> well. I I think that people give Apple News such a hard time. Mm. Uh, I I I like Apple News. It is it is my favorite way to read the news. It's it's a much better reading experience than most of the web. Um, there are some parts of the web that are still good that are you know still have clean layouts that don't have just a zillion ads all over the place. Um, Apple News is a clean, simple, single interface to read all the news that I want. Um, I am actually subscribed to Apple News Plus now. Uh, I subscribed for a couple months when it first came out and then stopped for a while. Uh, Recently, I resubscribed, and I'm finding that more and more of what I read is in News Plus, um, especially things like the Wall Street Journal and Los Angeles Times as news sources, but then a bunch of magazines as well. And so I like Apple News. I use Apple Books a lot. I prefer it to Kindle, uh, primarily just for a few UI reasons. Um, But I do wish that Apple would come out with some sort of Apple Books subscription. Uh, It could be like a Netflix-style free-for-all where you pay a monthly fee and that enables you to read whatever you want. 
that would be nice. There are services out there that do that now, uh, such as Scribd. I think that's one of the more popular ones. But even if they just did something kind of like what Amazon has with Audible, where you pay a monthly fee and that gives you a credit to get an audiobook, um, what would be really nice is if Apple came up with something like that. They gave you a book at a discounted price, and it doesn't have to be discounted much. But one really nice perk that Amazon doesn't do is it would be great if you could pay that one price to get access to both the audiobook and the ebook version. Mm, um, yes. Something that Apple has really promoted a lot this past year when it comes to new services that they release is this aspect of family sharing and being able to you know, share your TV Plus subscription, your News Plus subscription with the whole family and a Books Plus subscription of some sort that would enable you to get both the ebook and the audiobook could be great for families that have, you know, different family members who prefer consuming books in different ways. So for me, I prefer ebooks. I listen to audiobooks sometimes, but primarily ebooks is what I do. My wife really likes audiobooks, and so that's her preference. And I don't like the idea of buying a book twice um, just to get two different formats. And so if Apple could come up with something that enabled me to get both for a single price, even if it's not really a discount or much of a discount from kind of the standalone price for a single book, I think that would be really compelling for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I would love that, actually. Um, I use, a, uh, well, I don't use Apple News, um, primarily because I, so here's what I do. I think I mentioned this before. I have a US Apple ID. Uh, don't ask me for the details. It's a complicated story. Uh, but essentially what this entails is that every time I open Apple News, I I see a lot of American news, obviously. Uh, you know, a lot of American politics and, and business uh, things and whatnot. And so the, the first issue is that I don't necessarily care about American politics. Uh, you know, I don't want to read about them all day. Um... And every time I try to filter Apple News or sort of train the system, it it just it never works. There's some things that you just cannot avoid in terms of top news and and selections from the Apple News team. Uh, but also, really, the the main uh, issue for me is that I use RSS a lot, and I get the sense, Ryan, that you don't. Uh, you, you don't. That's right. Use RSS? Yeah, okay. I've, I've yeah. tried it at different times, and it's never quite stuck for me. And again, like I, I like the Apple News experience for reading. I, I do know that I, I don't remember when this was a year or two ago. Um, Apple added a setting where in the settings app, you can go to the news section and there's a toggle that says restrict stories in today. Um, and so if you do that, then you won't get all of the additional stories from sources that you, you know, don't know what they are you'll only see stories from um, sources that you're following, which is a way to avoid all the U.S. politics and other things if you wanted to give news another shot. But uh, just thought for our listeners who don't know about that, that's a the handy toggle if you want to get rid of all that extra stuff from Apple's editorial team. Um, so I use RSS, and I spend a lot of time in RSS, and I'm using Reader, so the, the, the latest version, Reader 4. It's a, the popular... RSS client, then now in addition to supporting modern RSS services, uh, I use Feedbin at the moment. Also comes with its own iCloud-based 
read later account. And so uh, I've stopped using Safari reading list to save uh, stories from the web. I save them in Reader now. And Reader has a better reading list than Safari because it works in the background just like reading list. It's based on CloudKit. So it syncs in the background with all your devices. It comes with its own text parser that sort of cleans up articles and extracts text from stories. And it works just as well as, as Safari Reader, in my experience. It does a really good job. And most of all, it comes with shortcuts integration. So you can save articles from shortcuts, but you can also retrieve them. Uh, you can extract the content of articles via shortcuts. But really, you can do things to simplify getting back into reading mode. For example, a shortcut that I will be sharing this week, uh, we have a special edition of our newsletter, uh, Max Stories Weekly, coming out. It's a shortcut that presents you with a list of your articles and allows you to pick one and from Reader, from the Read Later account, and reopen it so you can start reading it. And you can use it as a widget. You can use it via Siri. It's just a, it's a quick way to, you know, uh, find something to read and get back into reading mode. So that's something that I do a lot. And lately, uh, uh, I'm trying something else with Fitbin. I'm forwarding all my newsletters to Fitbin. Uh, well, Fitbin has, is one of the many services uh, for syncing uh, for RSS that now comes with support for receiving newsletters at a special email address that's associated with your account. So you can read newsletters either in text-only mode or in the original email HTML mode inside of your RSS service. And so I'm trying that for our own newsletters in addition to the newsletter from Chorus FM, which is my favorite music website, as well as The Verge and Inside is another uh, music subscription that I have, another newsletter, really, really well done, uh, and Pitchfork. So I'm, I'm really into uh, music newsletters. So uh, that's something that I'm trying lately. Now, uh, do we have anything else to cover here before I tell you about my uh, YouTube DL setup? No, I'd say that's mostly it. So mm. what, what have you got prepared for us? So... For the past several months, and I know people have been asking, eventually there will be a story. Um, I've been using this little script. It's called YouTube DL. It stands for download. It's a free and open source script that you can download and install on your computer, whether it's a Mac, a PC, or a Linux machine. And it's a, it's a shell command. It's a command line utility to download videos from YouTube and save them on your computer in a bunch of different formats. It's a powerful program that comes with hundreds of settings. You can download videos in all kinds of flavors, from MP4 to WebM. You can just download the audio portion of a video. You can download the audio portion in one format, the video portion in another format, and then stitch them together in the final file if you want to do so. Um, it's just a, it's a it's a very geeky way to download videos off of YouTube um, and save them as standard files on your computer. Uh, now I pay for YouTube Premium and I feel pretty good about you know I already watch my you know every time one of my favorite creators um, posts something like MKB, MKBHD or The Verge for example. 
I get a notification. I open the YouTube app, either on my phone or my iPad. I give them, a, you know, a, not a page view, but whatever is the equivalent for um, YouTube. And then if it's something that I want to watch in 4K, so this all started because of this. If it's a video that I really want to watch in 4K, either on my iPad Pro or the Apple TV, I copy the link and I run a shortcut that triggers YouTube DL on my Mac mini server that I keep at home. Now, uh, very famously, the YouTube app for iPad, iPhone, and Apple TV does not support native 4K playback. And I was really annoyed by the fact that I couldn't watch 4K YouTube video, which is available these days in really a lot of channels at this point, when I was using the Apple TV interface on my 55-inch LG TV. I really, wanna, I really wanted to watch 4K, but I couldn't. And so I came up with this setup where I use YouTube DL on my Mac Mini, uh, and I trigger YouTube DL via shortcuts. Essentially, shortcuts appends the link of a YouTube video that I want to download to a text file. And on my Mac Mini, Hazel, which is the popular automation app, reads the last line of that text file, passes it to YouTube DL via the shell, and starts the download for a video in 4K quality. And that video file, when it's downloaded, it is saved in my Plex library. Uh, so I have a Plex library that is set up on my Mac Mini. Uh, it is stored on an external SSD that I have constantly plugged into my computer. And so the local video file is at first saved in my Plex library. And I get a notification via push cut from Hazel that tells me, hey, the video has been downloaded and it's already to watch in Plex. But also, in addition to that, um, the video gets also uploaded to my Dropbox account because maybe I don't want to use Plex or maybe I'm not at home, I'm not on my Plex network or maybe Plex is not working and I want to make sure that I have a mirror of that video on YouTube and when, uh, on Dropbox. So what the, when the video is also copied to my Dropbox account, I get a second notification via Pushcut that tells me, okay, now the video, in addition to Plex, is also in your Dropbox account. And that notification has a button that says Stream Now with VLC. And tapping that action from the notification opens the VLC app on my phone or my iPad and starts playback for that video right away by loading the content from Dropbox. So this is a whole thing that I set up um, using Zapier, uh, the web automation service, which, by the way, now has an all-new editor. Uh, like, it's, it's completely different from what it used to be, and it works with Safari for iPadOS now, obviously. So, so that's very nice. Uh, in any case, uh, that notification, uh, the, you know, the integration between Dropbox and Pushcut is all done via Zapier on the web. So I'm really happy about that. And I've been using this setup for, well, Pushcut came in a couple of months ago. But generally speaking, you may say, oh, this is a house of cards. It's too complex. This system is never going to work for you. Well, this system with Hazel and shortcuts and appending a link to a text file, I've been using for the past year, <laughs> this, really at this point, because I got my Mac Mini in November 2018. So yeah, it's been roughly a year. And it works beautifully. 
and I've been able to watch 4K YouTube videos via Plex and via VLC, usually via Plex, really. It's fine. On my Apple TV, on my iPad Pro, you can absolutely tell the difference between watching a 1080p YouTube video on the iPad Pro and a 4K YouTube video on the iPad Pro. And it's just nice. And it's one of those things like, I am paying for YouTube Premium. My favorite creators are creating 4K content. Why can I not watch 4K content on my iPad Pro with this big, beautiful display or my TV? And so that's something that I do. Uh, When it's something that I really want to make sure that I watch in 4K, I have my YouTube DL set up. And I'm really, really happy about that. That is incredible. (laughs) I I mean, it sounds like a lot of work, but... Again, it's one of those things where once you set it up, it's not, well, right? Yes. Once it, once, like it's doing its thing, I don't have to care about that. Once a month, so the only sort of maintenance that I do once a month, I open my Mac Mini and I update the YouTube DL script. Uh, there's a command that you need to run and I do it every month. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, it, it just works on its own. There's the text file with a bunch of links in them. I don't have to care about that. It just... Does its thing. Um, but yeah, so that's... Uh, eventually, I will have to write about this and have actual screenshots and details. Um, one, well, two last things, I promise, okay. Ryan. Okay. Uh, I mentioned Pokemon, uh, com- competitive um, play online. Um, I've been keeping track of my uh, Pokemon um, builds. By builds, I mean like the, the team of Pokemon that you put together in an Apple Note. I'm using Apple Notes with like, there's images for the different Pokemon that I have in my team. And there's like a list of the different moves and the different abilities and whatnot. I like it. It's fine. I can use, uh, you know, the small image setting in Apple Notes so that I have like these very small thumbnails for my Pokemon creatures. Um, But I don't love it. And like my main issue is that I wish that Apple Notes allowed you to have tables. And now you may say, well, actually, yes, you can have tables in Apple Notes. My, here's my problem. Tables in Apple Notes are only available for text content. Whereas I want to be able to have a table that lets me mix and match images and text. Like in a cell, I want to have the image of my Pokemon. And in, other, in another cell, I want to have the text of uh, its ability, for example. Tables are text only. So you can you cannot put images of Pokemon in there. So if anybody knows uh, of any note-taking app, and I really, I would use that app just to keep track of my Pokemon uh, stats and collection. Of any app that lets you put together a table that's like a spreadsheet, but the table is not limited to plain text, please let me know. Um, I don't want to use something like Airtable I don't want to use, you know, something that is too web appy. Ideally, it should be something that it's very native to the platform. Actually, I don't know if numbers lets you do this. Maybe it should just be a spreadsheet. I don't know. Ryan, if you have any recommendations, let me know. Yeah, um, I, can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my mm-hmm. head. But I, yeah. I've, I've wished that Notes would let you put different text formatting inside of um, tables. Yes. Because yes. you can't use things like headings or subheadings. And that drives me crazy, so... Yeah, I, I second yeah. second that request. Mm-hmm. And finally, I think I mentioned before, boy, I have a lot of stuff to talk about, about using the iPad for fun, turns out. <laughs> um, 
So I have a Sony Walkman. Uh, it's a, it's not an MP3 player. It's a high-res music player. I buy music, and this is something that I've been doing for the past year, something that I rediscovered, sort of the joy of actually purchasing the music that I really like and listening to that music in, its, in, in high resolution. I have a high-resolution player. I have really good headphones, also from Sony, and I have this relatively small connection collection, but, you know, it's got, got about 50 artists in there. Um, worth of flak music. Now, this flak music, of course, is also backed up. In addition to the SD card in my Sony Walkman, it's also backed up in Plex, uh, the same SSD that I have plugged into the Mac Mini that I mentioned before. And on iOS, I can listen to... If I want to... I mean, you would not be able to tell the difference between flak music or Apple Music content via the iPad Pro speakers. But sometimes, uh, maybe I want to listen to Apple Music with the really good headphones, or maybe I just want to use Prism. Prism is uh, an app, uh, is a Plex client. Prism is, uh, for iPhone and iPad, is a music client for your Plex library. So if you don't like the look of the, the official Plex app, you can use Prism. And it's really well done. It's got like excellent support for um, playback management and cues and long tap gestures. It's really well done. Um, but when I do, um, uh, something that I started doing over the past few months is using the Sony Walkman that I have as a USB DAC, so a digital uh, to analog converter with my iPad Pro. Essentially, I can enable the USB DAC feature of the Sony Walkman, plug it into my iPad Pro, thanks to the USB-C port, and plug my really good headphones into the Walkman, which is acting as the USB DAC. And that allows me to listen to Apple Music content or my Black library as it's stored in Plex, uh, using the Walkman as a bridge, effectively, between the iPad Pro and the headphones. Now, I usually do this when I want to listen to Apple Music. Um, you know, new songs or playlists or whatever. Not with the AirPods, not with the speakers, but with my good headphones. And so it's kind of ridiculous to have this setup. Like you have an iPad Pro and an adapter and a Sony Walkman and then these headphones. But it works and it's nice because it means I can stream music and still get a better sound uh, because it's going through the headphones that I love. So... I think I posted a photo on Twitter a few days ago. It's kind of ridiculous, but it works. And it's, you know, another advantage of using USB, uh, USB, uh, USB-C on the, on the 2018 iPad Pros because you can plug uh, stuff like this into the iPad and it's fine and it works. Well, I think we have had enough fun for one episode. We, we need to get down to business and that was a find, lot of out, fun. <laughs> find out how you did on your challenge. Uh, before we do that, I'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode. This episode of Adapt is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. You can unlock your productivity with Text Expander. Manage everything that you type repetitively uh, email addresses, phone numbers, uh, common message replies, and more. Text Expander works everywhere you type. It works in word processors, in email and messaging apps, online forms. Uh, you can customize your snippets with fill in fields and pop up lists. 
Uh, and you can check out Text Expander for Teams if you need to manage snippets for your company. Uh, if the idea of saving time by cutting down on repetitive tasks sounds like something that you need in your life as you start this new year, then check out Text Expander. Uh, Text Expander is available for Mac OS, uh, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and of course for the iPad. Uh, Adapt listeners will get 20% off their first year of service. So if you're interested, go to textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know that you heard about them on Adapt. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. If you've been meaning to try Text Expander, check it out now. Textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Federico. So I challenged you in our last episode uh, to create an end of year shortcut. So some type of shortcut that would gather and present some type of data from the year that's passed, uh, give you a lot of freedom and flexibility on what that would look like. But uh, you had a couple extra weeks to work on that, although I hope you got some rest over the holidays. But uh, what, what kind of shortcut did you come up with? Mm-hmm. So I, I kept thinking about your, your challenge and the idea of like you can recap anything you want, whether it's reminders or time tracking data, uh, like anything that relates to the concept of the previous year. And so, I, like, initially I wanted to do something for reminders, but as I mentioned, I couldn't because I just re- had recently deleted all of my completed reminders. You can do this in shortcuts. There's like an action that lets you remove all of your completed reminders from your reminders database. Now, I learned my lesson. I'm not doing that ever again because I do want to create a shortcut to look at that data in the future. So lesson learned, I will not delete my completed reminders again. But um, so I was thinking like, what could I do? And I realized there was an opportunity for me to fix something that I had long wanted to fix. And that is how I track the time that I spend on my iOS review every year. So this is an annual project starting in June, ending usually in September. I work on an in-depth review of iOS and now also iPadOS. But every year, well, in previous years, what I would do was I would archive the previous project, like in Toggle, I mean, like iOS 11 review, for example, and I would create a new one in Toggle called iOS 12 review. And I would recreate the same tasks for that project so that I was not... So my main problem and the reason I was doing this was I didn't want to see stats and numbers for the previous years. I just wanted to see numbers for the current project. And I didn't have a shortcut that allowed me to say, no, take this project and just load the data for the year 2018 or 2017 and just show me the data for the work that you put in for these three months. That was impossible. I didn't have a shortcut before. And, I, and so because of the lack of a quick way to check out stats for the current year, I just gave up and I recreated the same project over and over for each new version of my iOS review. Now that, you know, 
sounded like a, like a fine opportunity for a challenge because I was doing some research and I realized Toggle now has an official reports API that lets you perform a web request to get the data for a specific project within a specific time frame. That was the piece that was missing from my previous Toggle shortcuts, being able to get the numbers from a specific time period. And so that's what I worked on for this challenge. It's a shortcut that, given the ID of a specific Toggle project, lets you decide uh, the time period that you want to get stats for, and at the end shows you an alert, a message that tells you on this project, you spent a total of X hours in this period of time. Uh, specifically for me, and I guess eventually this shortcut will be shared on Mac Stories for free. Yeah, why not? I will share it on Mac Stories for free in the future. Um, for me specifically, it the measure, for example, if I run it now, it says you spend you spent 253 hours on the iOS review in 2019. So that's a lot of hours, but that's what uh, was necessary to finish my iOS and iPadOS 13 review. Um, the shortcut works by, as I mentioned, performing a web request to the Toggle Reports API. And there's an additional shortcut that you can already, right now, download on Mac Stories. Uh, it's called Prepare Toggle Template. But that's a shortcut that I made a long time ago to extract the IDs of projects and tasks in your Toggle account. Uh, for this shortcut, you only need the ID of a project. You do need a bunch of additional data, but there's instructions in the shortcut. Uh, in any case, what matters is that there's a specific API endpoint that shortcuts talks to, and the key discovery for me really when putting together the shortcut was the fact that you can specify um, two parameters. They're called, let me confirm this, since and until. So when you perform this web request, you can say since this day and until this day. And in my case, I did since January 1st to December 31st. So the whole year. Uh, and that allowed me to extract the total amount of hours that I spent on a specific project. Initially, I had a bit of trouble because I, uh, I couldn't understand the format that the, uh, that the number of hours was uh, passed back to me. It was a really huge number, like 5 million or something. I was oh, like, wow. no, I didn't spend... But yeah, <laughs> not quite out, that long. <laughs> not quite. I mean, it was it sure <laughs> took a long time, but not that long. Uh, turns out it was milliseconds. Oh. So uh, the data is reported in milliseconds. Uh. Thankfully, though, the Shortcuts team, uh, uh, years ago, they added uh, an action called, let me see here, convert measurement. So that was really that's really nice because it, it you can take a measurement in the shortcuts app. In my case, you could say uh, the action says measurement duration. There's a number, and then it says milliseconds. It's abbreviated as msec in shortcuts, and you can then do convert measurement into duration in hours. And so that makes it a readable number that it's not five million; it's two hundred and fifty-three hours. It's all done 
uh, natively inside shortcuts. You don't need a third-party app. So yeah, it's it's not a long shortcut, really. It's a, um, let's see, 23 actions. It's not a long one, but I didn't know that the Reports API offered this feature. So this challenge pushed me to explore the toggle documentation, and I made this shortcut. And it's nice in that if you haven't logged any time on that project yet, it'll give you an error and say, this year you haven't worked on this project yet. So that's nice. Um, I do wish, though, that like Timery, which is my toggle client of choice, offered a negative reports dashboard. Uh, Timery so far doesn't. It just shows you, it just lets you start and stop timers and check out your timeline. It doesn't have any reporting feature. It doesn't show you charts and graphs and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it was, I'm really happy that I did this, if only because, I mean, I will share it with uh, listeners and readers in the future, but also, this means that this year I will not have to recreate my iOS review project in Toggle. It'll just, I'll keep using the project from last year, uh, the same tasks like writing, editing, uh, admin and promotion, all the usual things. And at the end of the year, I will be able to say, okay, shortcuts, show me the data from June 2020 to September 2020 for this project. And I will be able to compare that to the previous year. So I'm really happy about this. Does it satisfy your challenge requirement, though? Yeah, it does. I'm glad that it's something that's going to have ongoing usefulness. Um, I, you know, I think I was thinking of something a little bit different in Mm. terms of, you know, I mean, obviously, you working on the iOS review each year um, is part of your year, and you're quantifying the time spent on that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean that that's good. I uh, I think it's great to make things simpler, and uh, now you and anyone else who uses toggled time tracking can you know, prevent that extra step of creating a new project every time, having that division between different years um so yeah i mean it's it's all good not quite what i had in mind but uh but it's a holidays so you know i can't be too hard on you and uh yeah oh thank you very much sir i do appreciate your forgiveness (laughs) thank you (laughs) well next year i'll do your reminders shortcut whatever just i will not delete my computer reminders and next december i will work on that Promise. All right. I will, that, I will not delete them. Sounds um, good. We have time, and we promised this, so we, we must do it, uh, for some hashtag ask adapt. Uh, for those unaware, if maybe it's new, the new year and you're only discovering adapt now, this is a segment where Ryan and I, we try to provide an answer for your questions. And you may ask, how do I submit a question? Well, that's a fine question. You can do so very easily. Just use hashtag AskAdapt on Twitter and uh, we'll do our best to collect all of your questions and answer them on the show. Yeah, so our first question today comes from Amar and there's a related question from Zach. They're both asking about using external drives with an iPad. So Amar wonders why Apple excluded support for NTFS formatted drives. Um, currently, iPadOS only supports APFS drives. 
And then Zach is asking if it's possible to have an APFS encrypted drive that you access from the iPad and the Files app, which mm-hmm. sadly it is not. No, and it doesn't work. Yeah, there, there's definitely some limitations. I know we waited a long time for USB drive support on the iPad, and it's here, but it's here with an asterisk. There are certain things that you can't do. Um, as far as NTFS, I mean, my guess is Apple, <laughs> the Apple that we know is always a forward-looking company and not so much a looking-back company. And so my guess would be they're like, APFS is the future, that's what we're doing, and so people just need to get on board if they want their USB support. Do you have any any other theories or ideas for, for why mm, things may be limited to I, APFS? I Well, they did exclude NTFS drives, but I'm pretty sure that XFAT is supposed to work because I can plug in my uh, DSD card for my Walkman and browse contents of the SD card in files. So XFAT as a format should work. And I'm pretty sure that it wasn't just APFS unencrypted. There were a bunch of other formats, just NTFS is not supported. But there's a couple of others. And I think FAT, just standard FAT format, should also be working. NTFS, I have no idea. And encrypted APFS, I guess that they didn't want the complication of entering the path. Well, it's not really a complication, but maybe Apple just didn't want to. The complication of you know entering the password and authentication and whatever. Maybe yeah, maybe we'll know. get it this year. Maybe it just maybe this year didn't make the cut yeah. for year one, but it's something they could easily iterate on. Steven asks, "Does an iCloud backup from iPadOS backup the contents of on my iPad?" I'm pretty mm. sure it does. Yeah, same. I mean, I haven't tested it myself, but. As its local content, yeah, it's supposed to be included in the backup. It certainly should be. We're we're ninety nine percent sure, Stephen. You should be good. Yes, yes. All right. So the next question looks like it has to do with a bit of shortcuts work. So, mm. Federico. Oh, this is a fun one. Let me get this okay. one. Okay. David wants to know. I've been trying to replicate a start my day that I have on my Echo Dot with shortcuts. Here's what I have so far. Uh, uh, I use HomeKit to turn on a Wemo plug to start warming my espresso machine. Hey, I like that. Um, <laughs> and Siri lets me know when this has been done. Then Siri tells me the local forecast and reads the biblical, the biblical verse of the day to me. Also tells me how long it'll take to get to work on my commute. The one thing I cannot replicate is playing an audio file in line with shortcuts from an RSS feed. On my Echo Dot, I have, to, I have it get the daily tech news show headlines and the writer's top news stories audio. Do you all know if, this is a, if there is a way to do this with shortcuts? Now, mm, okay. I th- so my, the main problem here is that I, I don't think just getting items from an RSS feed with the basic shortcuts actions, like um, Quick Look, for example, or uh, Speak Audio. There's not even Speak Audio. Um, This is not possible with the basic shortcut stuff that's included in the app. Um, The the support for RSS feeds in shortcuts is really meant for articles, not for media feeds. So that will not work for you. What you may be able to do, though, 
if these two shows um, that you mentioned, uh, David, are available as RSS feeds, and if you can subscribe to them in Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts has really good integration with shortcuts in iOS 13. So an idea could be to add those shows, if possible, to your podcast library. Then in shortcuts, what you could do is there's actions for podcast. You could use get podcast from library, get episodes from podcast, and then you could use the get item from list action to get the first item, the first episode of that show, assuming that podcast reports them from newest to oldest. If it's from if it's the other way around, you want to make sure that you use get last item. Um, now that you have that item, you should be able to do play episode and then use set playback destination if you want to hear these things through the HomePod, I assume, to connect to your HomePod. Otherwise, it'll just uh, run uh, on your iPhone or your iPad, whatever. So this is all in theory. I haven't tested this myself. I don't even know if these shows that you want to listen to offer an RSS feed that works in podcasts, but in theory, you should be able to do this by integrating the podcast app with shortcuts. I would also mention Overcast, but I feel that in this case, it's better if you use podcast because you can actually process individual episodes in a better way, thanks to parameters. So if, if my theory is correct, you should be able, again, to do get podcasts, get episode, get item from list, and play episode. In theory, this is all... In, this is all in my brain. I don't know if it'll work, but I think it will, honestly. Um, does it make sense, Ryan? Do, do you agree with this assessment of the problem? That seems like, I mean, that's what I would try. That That's mm. the route I would mm-hmm. go. And, and maybe he can't get these specific feeds. So if mm. the, you know, tech news headlines is, is something that's specific to the Echo, um, then, you know, he may have to find some sort of podcast equivalent, and then that should work. But all right, uh, moving along, Christopher writes in and says, one area that iPadOS compares unfavorably to macOS is loading large text files. He has some JSON files that are quite large, 83,000 lines, uh, and they Mm -hmm. load instantly on the Mac, but a variety of iPad apps that he has tried really struggle with those large files. So any suggestions for an app for Christopher to try? Yeah, you should try Codex with a K. Uh, it's a free text editor for iPad. It does, at least for me, a better job than all the other apps that you mentioned, Christopher, at dealing with heavy text files. I will say right away, it is no BB Edit. Uh, we really need something like BB Edit on iPad. Um, I don't know why it doesn't exist. I mean, uh, not from a business perspective. I think technically... You know, if you have an like an iPad Pro, the one terabyte one with six gigs of RAM, you know, 83,000 lines of text, it, it is no six gigs of RAM. So in theory, it should be possible. I don't know why a lot of apps struggle on iPad with that. Codex, it's done a better job for me in the past than working copy or, te- or text-tastic for 
really heavy JSON files that have like base64 data inside of them, for example, it does struggle after a while. So I don't know, check it out. It's free on the App Store. So there's no harm in trying and see if it works better than the other apps that you mentioned. Um, Dave writes in, um, the springboard on my iPad Pro crashes every one to two hours. Apple senior advisors are lost. I replaced it, reset to factory settings, used recovery mode, rebuilt it from scratch with no iCloud restore. No joy. Is there something you think I can try next? Um, well, Dave, I'll be the first one to tell you that this sounds bad. <laughs> um, I'm really sorry. Something you could do, I mean, obviously file feedback with Apple online and either at your local Apple store or via the feedback app once you've filed a report. Try and have, because you didn't mention this, try and have Apple install additional login profiles uh, on your iPad. These are like profiles that allow Apple to gather more analytics than is usually included with the default diagnostics. Um, you can actually, if you search and if you have a developer account, you can actually search for these login profiles yourself online. It, there's a PDF on the Apple developer page that explains what you need to do. Uh, but you obviously you're going to want to have Apple look into these diagnostics and these you know, uh, profiles. Uh, because it, it could be something related to iCloud that even if you don't restore from a backup, it's something wrong in your iCloud account. Or it could be something completely different. I, I don't know. But still, it does seem like it's a matter of actually investigating what is going on with the accounts that you have on your device. Um, so yeah, you should file a feedback, file you know file feedback, and talk to Apple again and say maybe you guys want to look at uh, additional data. Um, so yeah, uh, that was it for hashtag AskAdapt. Once again, if you want to ask us questions on the show. Uh, submit one on Twitter using the hashtag AskAdapt, all one word, and they go into our system and we will consider them for the future for the show. Now, Ryan, it is time for your next challenge. You were so kind in giving me inspiration for this challenge before, so you only have but yourself to thank for this. Mm. I would like you to use your iPad and a combination of apps, maybe YouTube, maybe something else, what I'm about to mention as a vast collection of apps on the App Store and the web that you can try for this purpose. I want you to learn a list, a sentence, or maybe a couple sentences in a different language using your iPad. I want you to study a different language and be able to speak a sentence on the show in the next episode. Okay, I can do that. Mm-hmm. That, There's a bunch of apps yeah, on the app store for, sure. for this. Yeah, that, yeah, I'll check them out, and YouTube's a great resource. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, should I learn Italian? Like, Whatever any, you want. Any ideas? Okay. I, so, well, I mean, Italian would be fun, but, you know, up to you. I don't have any particular preferences. All right. That That... That sounds good. You know, start of a new year, might as well learn a new language. Yeah, yeah why not? All right. I will get to work on that. Uh, and this has been episode 16 of Adapt. We want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Text Expander from Smile. 
If you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 16. And if you want to follow us online, Federico is on Twitter and Instagram as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me on Twitter as at IRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N-T-L-D-R. And we are both writing, of course, at MacStories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.